Welcome to Choosing Happily Ever After with Nicole Van Gelder, a podcast that focuses on values and practical tools to help you have peace, joy, and confidence so you can create your own happy homes and lives, no fairy godmothers required. For the month of February, Pastor Nicole will be sharing about authenticity and tips on how to overcome the creeping up of insecurity. Join us on this month's journey of transparency and authenticity. Hello, everyone. I am going to share with you this month about a topic that is near and dear to my heart because it is something that I have had to grow in quite a bit myself and something that has dramatically changed my life. And I actually credit my husband with it. <laughs> uh, I'm, it's one of the many, many reasons that I am very thankful for him and for the journey of our marriage, because it hasn't always been easy, but some of the choices we've made as we've faced hard times have led to really, really good fruit, fruit that we're even still seeing develop in our life as a result of choices in the past. And one of the things that I think has been really beautiful for me, especially personally, is that we have a value in our marriage and in our home for authenticity. And this has not always been an easy journey for me because I carried insecurities into our marriage. And then when we had struggles that added to the insecurity that I had. And so it has taken the Lord showing me (laughs) just how much having insecurity and kind of hiding and holding myself back Uh, The Lord's had to show me the great cost of that and what it's cost me personally, what it's cost my marriage and my home. And, you know, and it's taken, to be honest, quite a lot of courage to choose to move past that. And I'm not, you know, perfect. (laughs) I'm not at the end of my journey, but I have found so much freedom and life in choosing not to allow insecurity to dictate my choices, to tell me who I am, to define my relationships. And so in that process, there's been this beautiful unfolding in my life as I have just grown in confidence and acceptance of who I am as I've learned how important that is in in really loving other people and how important that is to creating safety and security within my home as a mom. But also just how dramatically it has impacted my relationship with the Lord because my hiding has first of all been from him. It's been much more religious in nature and kind of the root of it than I even realized. So I want to talk to you about authenticity and I'm excited about it and I'm just going to pray real quickly because I think the Lord has something that he wants to say and do in this time even more than me. So Father, I just thank you. I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit as a guide and a balm and a comfort and one that would convict. And Father, that you would help me and everyone listening to connect more intimately with you, to stop hiding, to remove insecurity, and to make choices that would bring us all more fully into who you created us to be and how we're supposed to live. So just thank you, Father, and just ask that you would bless this time. Amen. 
All right, so I'm a mom of eight, and what is amazing to me is seeing my kids. You know, I have all kinds of different personalities within my home, and they're all amazing. It's so incredible to see how the Lord will wire you from birth. (laughs) But I see even in my young ones sometimes when they will feel insecure. You know, kids, some kids are more shy than others, and some kids gravitate towards attention, and and all of that is natural. But you can see that there aren't any of them that don't have moments in life where they have insecurity pop up. You know, you can see it come across their face. And I think of our home, not perfect, (laughs) obviously, but that we have a pretty secure and safe home. You know, we have a lot of love and laughter in our home. I feel like my husband and I do a pretty good job of modeling, you know, that you don't have to be perfect and, but yet you can still be healthy and good. And so we don't place demands on our kids for perfection or some of the things that you would think would lead to insecurity. And yet it happens to all of us, no matter what our home is like, no matter what our upbringing is, no matter what our personality is, we all have moments of insecurity. And I think that is because it's impossible to escape it because it's a result of the fall. It's something that we live with in this condition here on earth, something that the Lord is redeeming us, (laughs) redeeming in us. But from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve made the choice to sin, to do things their own way instead of the Lord's, one of the results was hiding and insecurity. So in Genesis 3, verses 6 and 8, it says this, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave it also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So if you're not familiar with the story, Adam and Eve, God creates them in this wonderful place where he actually is walking with them, and they're in direct relationship with him. You know, they're naked and not ashamed of it. He's given them a job to do. They have complete intimacy between the two of them. There's nothing separating them at all from each other or the Lord in perfect and complete union. And then they decide to do the one thing that the Lord has asked them not to do. So the result of that is that they cover themselves from each other, that they, you know, their perfect intimacy is altered, but also that they hide themselves even more dramatically from the Lord. And notice that it isn't the Lord who removes himself from relationship with Adam and Eve, but that it's Adam and Eve that hide from the Lord. You know, I grew up believing that my sin had separated me from the Lord, that there was this great chasm that I had to somehow, you know, try to get back to the Lord. And even though it was Jesus that provided that way, that sense of separation from him, that I was not, you know, able to just be in his presence, that he was unable to look at me, that there was this this deep darkness that separated us, that really impacted me more than I realized. And by the way, just note, I'm not talking about tolerating sin. I'm not saying sin doesn't 
impact your relationship with the Lord. Like this isn't any of the points that I'm making, but I do want to talk a little bit about how easy it is to misunderstand the role of sin in our lives, that we sometimes make it the key part of the story when the key part of the story isn't sin. (laughs) Sin is not more powerful than Jesus, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about in a minute, but I just want to challenge you, especially if you did grow up in a church, hearing that same message with the best of intentions and even with the truth that it contains, when we focus more on sin and our separation from the Lord, we're actually distorting the picture. And the reason I know that this is a distortion is because when Adam and Eve sin at the very beginning, it isn't the Lord that removes himself. It is them. They hide from him. And even after they are sent out of the Garden of Eden, which, by the way, was for protection so that they would not eat from the tree of life. The Lord was removing them from the tree of life in that state, not from himself. And we know this because in Genesis chapter 4, there is a terrible story about uh, Cain and Abel, if you aren't familiar. I encourage you you know, to spend some time just getting familiar with some of these key stories in the Bible because it's our history and, it, and we learn about the Lord in it. But after Adam and Eve leave the garden, there's a story about their children, Cain and Abel, and it's a terrible story. It's darkness, great darkness, when Cain takes the life of his brother. And this is not very far removed from the Garden of Eden. So it's crazy to think about, but this is what the story says. It says that Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So, you know, Abel was the one who was like a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. So this is Genesis 4 verse 3. And it says, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And then Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? And Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And then it goes on. There's much more actually to the story. But the point that I want to make is that clearly, even after Adam and Eve are sent from the garden, there is still a relationship between God and these people. We know this because first, they're offering sacrifices. So there's worship and there's a system of connection to the Lord that has been put in place and being continued. But also, and I would say even maybe more importantly, Cain is not surprised by the Lord's voice. (laughs) There's no record of like him hearing the voice of the Lord or having an encounter with the angel of the Lord and he falls to the ground as a dead man. Like this isn't something where he is acting shocked or surprised or he's even seems to have 
you know, a crazy amount of reverence, obviously, for the Lord because he's angry at the Lord when the Lord confronts him. You know, he responds just like, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Like, he responds with attitude, right? He also seems to have familiarity with the Lord. Like, this isn't a picture of a family that has been so removed from the presence of the Lord that it's shocking that they are relating with him. And so the theology that teaches us that there is this great separation between people and the Lord, I don't think is biblically accurate. Clearly, there is and always has been a way to have relationship with the Lord. The Lord's desire is for connection. The Lord wants to be close to us. The Lord's the one who draws us close to himself. He is the one who pursues us. He is the one who is the author of our relationship. And it isn't that we should tolerate sin, but the closer you grow to the Lord, <laughs> the more you realize that he's the one who also, like, he takes care of that, right? It's not just his grace and his mercy that cover us. It's not that he tolerates it, but it's that he actually, he convicts us and he teaches us and he guides us and he helps us to, to be the people we're supposed to be and live the lives we're supposed to. So sin results in insecurity and hiding, holding ourselves back from the Lord. This is something I think that we have been born into in this world and the, you know, just one of the impacts of sin. But the truth of our story is that sin is not the key player, but instead it's Jesus. Our story is one of a God who loves us so very much that he sent his son to save us from the foundations of the world. And that is the beautiful, amazing part. And so it is such a bummer if we give more power to sin than to Jesus. You know, in Luke 15, Jesus tells some stories to the Pharisees. It says, actually, I'll just start reading in verse one. It says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. But the point is, <laughs> is that our story is one of a God who loves us enough that he sent his son to save us. And not only that, but he pursues us. He finds us. He's not content to let us stay hidden or lost, but instead he brings us to himself. You know, in 1 John 4, 14 through 19, and I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. 
It says, Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God and God lives in them. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love He has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Okay, so I know that's a lot to pick up, especially just listening if you're not reading along too. So I'm going to sum up the important parts. Well, it's all important, right? Why I'm sharing it with you is that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. And those who know this, like actually know this, not just a head knowledge, but those who have accepted this to be true, it's true in their lives. They know it in their hearts. They A, give thanks. B, have an intimate experience with God's love. And C, trust in the love that God has for them. Okay, those are opposite fruits of insecurity. Thankfulness, intimate experiences, and trust in the love that God has. Confidence in the love that God has. Those are opposite things of insecurity. And so I want to suggest that if you don't feel thankful... If you don't feel connected to the Lord, if you don't have confidence in his love for you, (laughs) that there is something that is missing. But in saying that, don't be dismayed. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I don't want you to pick up shame. (laughs) But I do want you to recognize that there is more and you shouldn't be satisfied until you experience the more. In my opinion, one of the main things that separates us, at least in my experience, is that we hide and hold ourselves back from the Lord. And so the key to stopping that, to actually knowing the Lord, is to allow ourselves to be known by Him. See, it's kind of a crazy thing because we hide from God (laughs) as if we can as if somehow we can keep secrets from him, as if somehow he doesn't actually know the truth, as if somehow he doesn't see or he's not with us everywhere. But God sees everything and he knows everything. And the thing that you need to understand is that he's not put off by it. You know, sometimes we hide things from people because we're afraid of what their reaction will be if they see. You know, if they know us completely, will they still love us? Will they respect us? Will they have affection for us? Will they want to be around us? What will their opinion be? And so we hide things that we don't feel comfortable with, or we hide things, you know, we're doing maybe that we shouldn't be doing, or the things that we're not proud of, or the things from our past, even if they're no longer true about who we are. We don't know how people will receive those things, and so we hide them. We hold ourselves back. And in the process, by the way, of hiding things from people, it impacts our relationship with them. It impacts how much we love them. (laughs) Even though we don't realize it, 
it's really difficult to fully love somebody when you're busy hiding from them. It's really, really difficult to hide from somebody and not have it impact your relationship. And so (laughs) the same is true of our relationship with the Lord, except that he knows we might be able to fool people, but we don't fool the Lord. We might be able to hold things back from people, but we can't actually hold things back from the Lord. The truth is that he knows everything, that he sees us far more deeply and far more clearly than we see ourselves. But (laughs) he still loves us. Not only does he love us, but he values us enough to pursue us and find us. Not only does he love us, but he loves us with such a love that we can have full confidence in it, that we can (laughs) fearlessly face the world in the day of judgment, that we can fearlessly come before the Lord and be intimately connected with him. You know, I have, uh, my youngest daughter is three, and so I think out of all my kids, she's probably the one who can hide the least. (laughs) You know, like if she does something she's not supposed to do, for example, you know, oh, maybe just hypothetically, if she gets into the box of chocolates that we were given for Christmas, (laughs) there is evidence that she was able to do such things or that she did such thing because she's not very good at hiding. You know, the chocolate on her face, the um, fact that the chocolate box has been moved, (laughs) you know, she gives herself away. And the truth of the matter is, is that I see behavior that I need to correct in her, but I see her, I know who she is as much as is possible for me, a mere human, obviously, but I know who she is and I see her and I am so delighted by her. The fullness of who she is, it doesn't deter my love. My love isn't dependent upon her behavior. I am delighted in who she is. I love her wholly and completely. And when she does things she shouldn't, there is correction that needs to happen sometimes. But (laughs) there is nothing that comes between my love for her. I don't think less of her as a person. And that's true with all my kids. You know, that I, I see who they are as much as I can. I try to, you know, I'm not perfect but I try to see who they are and their imperfections don't deter my love. Like I love them so much. I believe in them. I'm their biggest cheerleader. I'm delighted in them. I'm in awe that I get to be their mom. And if me being just a mere human can live like that in relationship with another person, with my kids, with my husband, I've lived with my husband now for a long time, 24 plus years. (laughs) And we were friends before then and dated before then, right? So I know him pretty well. And I've seen the good and the bad and I've seen the really, really good and the ugly and I love him more today than I ever have. Like the parts of him that aren't perfect don't deter me from loving him. 
You know, like we're on this journey together and we love each other. And sometimes we have to work stuff out. But the wholeness of who he is doesn't scare me. It doesn't put me off. Instead, I am thrilled that I have a partner to go through life with, that we can be on this journey together without demanding perfection from each other, but knowing that we're both growing and we're going to continue to grow and things are going to get better and better as we do. Like, you don't have to be dismayed or put off or afraid of the Lord seeing you and knowing you completely because he is not dismayed or put off by seeing or knowing you completely. And so recognize that there is more and that you should not be satisfied until you experience it. The key to actually knowing the Lord is to be known by him. And that requires you sometimes to risk, to take courage, to just allow yourself to be in front of him without hiding, even though he's known you the whole time. And the really good news is that over time, the fact that he has known you for so long and knows you so well will be comforting instead of intimidating. Because the more you allow yourself to be fully known by the Lord, to not hide, but to push past your discomfort with that. And the more you come fully into his presence, the more you're going to come alive in his presence, the more free you're going to become, the more filled with his light, the more joy and hope that you're going to experience. And so trust me when I say that being known by the Lord (laughs) is the most amazing experience in the world. There is nothing like it because you are talking about the creator of the universe, your creator, the God who is all powerful and yet who loves with such an all encompassing love that it compares to nothing else. And he loves the world, but he also loves you personally. And he sees you and he knows you and he finds great delight in you. And so I hope that gives you courage and hope (laughs) to come into the light fully, to come into his presence and let this be the year that you stop hiding and you live completely authentically. Join us back here on February 21st as we continue the conversation of authenticity. Next time, Pastor Nicole will share the practical tips useful for you to overcome insecurity in your daily life. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend, family member, or someone who needs encouragement. You can connect with Pastor Nicole on her website and through social media. Also, by subscribing to this podcast and her bi-monthly newsletter, which includes podcast extras, her blog, and devotionals for you and the whole family. You can find all of this and more in the show credits. Thanks again for choosing Happily Ever After. See you next time.